Hey folks, welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? It sends you pre-measured, pre-portioned ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store, makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, they sent me some food. Straight up, they sent me food. And I have tried other uh, meal kits. I tried the one that's like a color and then an item of clothing. Mm, Me too. Uh, And it was all right. This one, here's what I really liked about it. The bags came like already like laid out properly, right? The recipes were super simple. And they were like, you can make this in 30 minutes from from nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually was able to. I work long days. I like cooking. I don't like the time it takes me to go to the store, although I do like fresh ingredients, and I don't like the waste that comes from cooking for two people. Right. There's almost always waste, either in the forms of like leftovers I don't really want, or in the form of like throwing out things that like a restaurant might find other uses for. You know what I mean? It just feels wasteful. HelloFresh sent me the exact correct amount of things to make dinner for two people. It was like, it was super money. I was really shocked at how good it was. Um, and I just, that's an honest, I'm supposed to read bullet points here, but like that was not my honest, true story about HelloFresh. I've been using it for three weeks because someone gave it to me as a gift. Oh, really? And it's honestly it's really, really good. good. <laughs> it's really, really, really good, tasty. Dude. It feels like I'm making fancy stuff. And for me, uh, I like cooking, but I don't like the stress of looking up the right recipe right. and then buying the stuff. Because, yeah. like, well, which ones, which one of these fifty websites has the right, you know, yeah, bur- chicken curry or whatever? Or yeah. So they just do that for me, and I'm like learning to cook without the other stress. Yeah, and I really like cooking, but I find that when I'm working hard and I'm and I'm tired, I default to like five or six things that I make. You know what I mean? If I'm just going to the grocery store myself, it's like, is it going to be meatloaf? Is it going to be pasta? Is it going to be chicken? You know what I mean? It's like the defaults. So there's so many recipes to choose from at HelloFresh that you can literally... Like learn new cooking without really having to go through the work of learning new cooking. Yes, you know what I mean. It's kind of nice, right? You cut down your grocery bills by saving up to forty percent instead of shopping at your local store. Actually, we did the math. It was it was actually quite affordable. Uh, they've got the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week and et cetera, et cetera. Both Zach and I were about it. We were both super bad. The food was great. There was no extra waste. The Even the packaging that was disposable was like recyclable and fairly eco-friendly. It wasn't like a ton of paper and packaging. It was really good. And the vegetables and the produce was indeed, as they say, fresh. Uh, go to HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire10. Smoking Tire and the number 10, right? HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire10. And then use code SmokingTire10 for 10 free meals once you're there, including free shipping, right? HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire10. Code SmokingTire10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. America's number one meal kit. And I know why, because it's dank. We are also brought to you by... California's number one 
Ganja Company, Tradecraft Farms. I love reading these because I don't have to read them. I just say them. Went down for the re-up the other day. Four ounces of fire sitting at the shop right now is delightful. And when I say four ounces of fire, I mean that literally. You cannot just follow Tradecraft Farms because you should follow at fire on Instagram. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah. They own the brand Fire. Because this is the smartest thing they could do. They're saying they cannot keep it on the shelves because I'm like, is fire in stock right now? And they're like, there's no such thing as stock. Fire is like GT3 Tourings. They're sold before wow. they get to the showrooms. They got the 24 karat gold joints. They got the four, uh, the white gold joints. They have that super tulip crazy joint thing. And the fire packaging I really like. And they have the fire sticks, which are like the super goo. It's like the super goo pens. Like, like the, not the, the regular pens. over them? Yeah, it's like the regular pens are like, you know, 65%. These are like 90. They're like, it's a super goo. So at Tradecraft underscore Farms, and of course at Fire, because we only blaze fire here. And it's just, I mean, it's, frankly, it's a miracle of modern science. It's a miracle of uh, progressivism that I can do this at all, as had. And it is a miracle of um, creative packaging. Frankly, because the ganja industry is leading consumer packaged goods in creative paper folding and packaging right now. If you want to uh, go to, to take a master class in how to package a consumer product, just go into a Tradecraft Farms dispensary or another. It's amazing. That's yeah, true. They're very creative. They're in boxing, very. Yeah. Re they're so good at boxing. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's cool. amazing. Uh, so there are there are people. Uh, go follow them. Send them a message on Instagram saying the smoking tire sent you at Tradecraft Farms at Tradecraft at sorry at Tradecraft underscore Farms at Fire the official ganja of the Smoking Tire podcast. And of course, God forbid, you find yourself on the side of the road, you got to deal with the police. Off the record is what you need. Offtherecord.com slash TST. They will fight your traffic ticket in any state in the union. They cover over 90% of the population of the United States. You should never, ever, ever plead guilty to a traffic infraction, and you should never just go to court on your own without being prepared. Use Off the Record. Off the Record will set you up with a qualified attorney in your area or the area where you got the ticket, uh, and, and they will send someone to court on your behalf to fight that ticket, get those points off your record, and remove you from the law enforcement insurance ecosystem scam that you just found yourself in because you were not paying attention to your speedometer for a few seconds on an unfamiliar road. I've been there, folks. I know how it feels. Always fight your tickets by going to offtherecord.com slash TST or using code TST10 on the Off The Record app. That'll get you 10% off all your legal services at Off The Record for three years. Okay, it'll do it for a really long time. So download that app, get that account, make it now. That way, when you're on the side of the road with the cops and there's lights flashing in your eyes, you're not scared. You're going to be having a little chuckle to yourself because you're going to go, I'm going to get to email Matt Farah and tell him that off the record worked for me when I get out of this ticket scot-free. That's what they do. Offtherecord.com slash TST or code TST10 on the Off The Record app for iOS, iOS, and Android. Always fight your tickets, folks. 
Alrighty, folks, on this episode of the podcast, it's number 600. What are we doing to commemorate our 600th episode? Fuck all. Just like we did to commemorate our 500th, 400th, 300th, 200th, and 100th episodes. We ain't doing shit. Zach and I are in the studio bullshitting about the Cayman GT4. We had to go in and, and mobbed on very, very hard. We're talking about the Mazda 3. We are talking about uh, Tesla taking Bitcoin and all, all, all the other things that Tesla is completely full of shit about this week. And taking your questions. It's me. And Zach, the crew show number six hundred. It's the Smoking Tire podcast. Hello, hey folks. Hi, happy uh, Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? What fucking day? It's, is it? Wednesday. it's Wednesday, right? I think it's Wednesday. Day. <laughs> it, uh, I don't what, actually know. What's the fucking difference anymore? What day it is? I mean, really, it doesn't matter. All that matters for us is it's not Sunday. It's the only day that matters. It's the day you don't want to be in the canyons? That's right. Wait, so how, I've sat over here so it's easier to talk to you, and yet yeah. I've ended up sitting that way. Why have why are both my seats on this on the table wrong? Have uh, I chosen... Because the curve of the wood over there? Have I chosen, like, poorly? I feel like we chose the right table, and yet somehow I end up sitting sideways for all of our shows. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'd have to move everything over there. No, I know. I think it's because it's it's mainly we you design a studio to talk to a guest, right? And yet, <laughs> here we are. And yet, that was in 2019. <laughs> and so, well, we also forgot that 50 percent of our shows are crew shows. I don't think we had discovered that uh, development at the time either. But here we are, and it looks like I'll just be I'll just be side saddling. I mean, I can I, it's it is like I'm like lounging kind of right. like this. It's okay. It's probably not good it's, for my it's back. It's very late night with the elbow. Santo, you know? my physical therapist, Santo, will not be happy. Like, look, you bought that chair, that super ergonomic chair, and then you sat on it fucking sideways for 90 minutes? What's wrong with you? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good point. Don't sit do sideways that? in chairs. It's bad for your back. Right? You know what we learned today? Two chairs can look almost yeah. identical and be wildly different in scope and support. Yeah. Feel. Zach and I were uh, driving the Corolla hatchback this morning. Do you have a visual for the Corolla I hatchback? I sure do. Yeah. No, that's that's a sedan. No, no, the hatchback. Um, I actually requested the Corolla hatchback. I, I had forgotten about it because it's a Corolla hatchback. And then uh, I saw my friend Amy Shackelford. Who does uh, like car people PR, and she has like an R8. She's a true car person, and she has one of these one of those Corolla hatchbacks, and she was like raving about this fucking thing. Her she has the blue, that oh, right. blue that blue yeah. that everyone's, which I think was maybe the launch color in 2019. I think so. Yeah, um, so I grabbed one, and uh, Zach and I had it in the canyon this morning. And what I was getting at is you you know like typical with many economy cars you get the one power seat right it's mm -hmm. the driver's seat gets power maybe the driver's seat gets lumbar in case of the Corolla it does and then the passenger seat gets bupkis you get a seat it's a, it is in fact a seat, a seat it yeah. looks like the driver's seat but it's it's a completely different seat uh, like it's just well, without it fits lumbar, completely it fits different. different. Yeah, the padding it fits way is the different. same, but it doesn't. You know, it's manually adjustable instead of 
uh, electronic, it, and without the lumbar, it changes the shape of it. And it was lower because there's no power. That's true. So yeah, there's no power, so it sits lower. So which means you're. Oops, I kick. All right, if I'm gonna sit on this side of the table, we need to move the trash can because <laughs> last last show I kicked the fucking trash can like four times. This I just did it eight seconds into this show. Okay, thank you. Okay, no. You're very welcome. I'm, I can't handle my feet. They're just wildly all over the place. No, but the right seat, lower, but no, you just like, you sunk into it like it was a couch, yeah. basically. Yeah. Like it was like a lazy boy. And then the left, the driver's seat, uh, really did have some, some good bolstering. Um, so if you're on a road trip with somebody in one of these things, passengers getting kind of, kind of hosed in that department. Yeah, it's a pretty big difference. It you is. You have to make sure that your passenger has no spine problems and also doesn't complain about anything. And it wasn't like, I feel like the difference was more no, because mo- usually, in, until you get into like six figure cars, the passenger doesn't usually get everything the no. driver gets. True. They, you know, even like a pretty nice car, they'll both get like heated and cooled seats, right? But the driver will still get more. The driver usually gets if the driver gets ten way adjustable, yeah. then the passenger gets eight right. or six. Right. You know. Uh, but I feel like in the Mazda three that we drove last week, there wasn't as big a discrepancy between driver and passenger. Definitely not. But that car, to be fair, was thirty four thousand dollars and this car is twenty five. No, yeah, the cost comes yeah. from somewhere. Yeah, and then and your passenger. For twenty five grand. Everybody can't be comfortable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. We had in this in making this video, we discussed the Fiesta ST a little bit. I think I forgot if we discussed it on camera or afterwards in the drive down. But uh, drive down. I yeah. pulled up on the way to the studio today. I pulled up behind a Fiesta ST in the Corolla. It's substantially bigger. Yeah. Wider. Really? Wider. Yeah. It's a okay. lot wider. You could tell just pulling up. It's like, oh Jesus, the Fiesta is like little. It's a wow. little little car. Yeah. The Corolla is really Focus-sized, not Fiesta-sized. Okay. Pretty much. That's pretty impressive, because I think it's it feels shorter than a Focus, but definitely wider. Like, they widen the well, track and everything. Well, it is shorter because it's a hatchback. Yeah. The, the the sedan is longer than the... And they take away some of that seat space from the rear seat room. Yeah. So, since we're on it, I mean, the Corolla, though, like... Okay, it's a manual. Like, the manual transmission in it itself is pretty good. Yeah. The gears are right. It's easy to use. It has a hill hold assist, which is nice for twenty five grand. It has auto rev matching, which is easy to toggle on, on and off for twenty five grand. It works good. It has a very light clutch. Um, it doesn't have a lot of clutch feel, but it has a very light clutch, and uh, it'd be a great car to learn stick on. It'd be a great car to drive. It feels like peppy in the city, and it gets very uh, good fuel economy on the highway. It's not bad in the canyons. Let's just say you can't have everything. Right. It's not bad in the canyons, but it's not like, it's not really a sports car either. Like, Zach, that excuse really me. resonated in the microphone, wow, that, that in-tide burp. Well, um, <laughs> Saint, the uh, breakfast burrito from Bill's place is amazing. Oh, Still yeah. Still with me. Four hours ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's a the car's weird. It's, it's not weird. Like th- this new one has a chassis that's sixty percent stiffer than the outgoing model, and like I feel like you feel that the benefit in the canyon. Yeah, it does move around you the way you want it to. But all of the ways you control it are a bit like string with too much slack. It's like the steering has zero feel. Like right. it sets a new bar for zero feel. The clutch has zero feel. I don't know about the new brakes bar, are okay, but it's <laughs> that's it's rough. Pr- but... I mean, it's it doesn't matter. Like no, it's like accurate, the Mach E but... had zero feel. 
The Maki was like driving. The Maki was like going to the local amusement park and playing Daytona USA steering field. True. This had a little more weight to it, so yeah. it might be a little bit better. But uh, you know, so the chassis is good. It's just okay. So they, they don't get right. Well, when you parts. get a taut chassis, right? When you improve your chassis rigidity. Th- what you can then do is soften your springs. Mm-hmm. And so you can have a car that has a really good ride, which the Corolla does. Yeah, It also has quite a bit of body roll, which I don't see as being the worst thing, Mm-mm. actually. Uh, the tires give way long before the chassis they does. They do, yeah. <laughs> I noticed the tires giving way way before I the body roll. I hate the Yokohama tires. I've never really driven on one I really liked. And they, they, they squealed. They lost traction so early. For a 280 Treadwear tire, and Treadwear isn't always 100% tied to grip and performance, but in general, the lower the number in your Treadwear with tires, Mm -hmm. like the more performance-oriented the tire. And 280 is a pretty performance-oriented tire. And by comparison, and it's a good comparison, I think, the uh, Vredestein tires... Which, of course, Asterix, they bought ads with us, right? So it's not, I'm not making an A versus B comparison and saying you shouldn't buy the Yokohamas, you should buy Vredestein. I'm just saying, it's a comparison. The Vredestein tires that are on Zach's E46 M3 were 500 treadwear, which if you saw them on the shelf or in a tire rack or in the store, you'd go, oh, 280 treadwear versus 500. One of these is going to have way more grip than the other one. Right. And, and that was not true at all. Right. Yeah. And and my my front tires are back to stock size two thirty five yeah. or two twenty five. I mean, so yes, not even that an, wide. An old M three probably handles better than a new Corolla, but that but it but not necessarily. You can tell when one tire is doing its job yes. better than another. I mean, I bet that chassis. Mm-hmm. I bet the Corolla's chassis is more rigid than the M 3s chassis. <laughs> probably. I mean, it's it it, it's twenty years newer. The steering is about the same uh, ratio, if yeah. not the same. A lot of feel. turns. A lot of, a lot of, lot of inputs. So <laughs> I, I, we were both very surprised at how quickly those tires let go. Yeah, the tire the tires were actually the the weak point I mm-hmm. think in the car. I think if you put a better tire on it, it could go quicker. Um, you know, and, and otherwise, and what's nice, a good car. Yeah, what's it's naturally aspirated as well, so it doesn't make as much um, you know power as some of the turbo cars. But the trade off is. Um, uh, it, it's a really immediate, especially at the very bottom, especially like at a thousand RPM, like very low. So when you let the clutch out, it's not like in vacuum. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so you yeah, can yeah. really let the clutch out at like basically idle and just go. And that's nice. And also you can hammer the snot out of it constantly. I mean, I use I've used a lot of full throttle this week. More than I've used it. Like there's not a lot of new cars out there. Where you can really just use full throttle like all the time, and it's cool. It's and not cool. get in trouble, or you mean not worry about the yeah, engine? not break it, not even worry about it. Like it's other than like a GT3 or like an EV, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, both of which those those are two indestructible feeling cars. If you you rev a GT3 at seventy five hundred all day long, it's like okay, we're just here now. But Zach and I found ourselves, me in multiple occasions. Zach only once that I caught being in <laughs> like. Not just a gear too low, like being like three <laughs> gears too low. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're driving up Highway 1, we're just cruising, and I had just looked at the tack, too, and you look over and you're like, are you in third? I was like, 
Thought I was in fifth. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in like fifth. second and thought I was in fourth yeah. once. And well, because the engine doesn't really get that much louder between right. 2,000 and 7,000 RPM, and you don't feel the vibration in the car. They do a really good job of like muting all of that, so uh-huh. you can just drive in whatever gear. <laughs> you, know, you, 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 you treat it <laughs> almost any, like a CVT, ironically. Yeah, any gear you want. Yeah. But if you're going like 65 or 70, in sixth gear, you're like under 3,000 RPM, or ba- maybe right at, which in a two-liter NA, you're going to get really good fuel economy if you yeah. keep the revs low yeah. and just kind of cruise. It gets so 36 like, to 40. Yeah, I believe it. I've had this thing for th- you know, four days, and even with filming today, which filming was like, what, 45 miles away mm-hmm. each way? Each way, and then hammering it up and down the hill a bunch of times, and then I drove it downtown. I, I drove it all over, just running errands around. It still has over half a tank of gas. It's <laughs> the benefit of small engines, like right? we, Yeah, like uh, we've driven like, I feel like I've driven like 200 miles in it and still got over half a tank of gas in it. And that includes filming. Like what? Yeah, driving hard up and down the mountains. Yeah, that's that's crazy. It's very efficient for a simple car. I'm a fan of that car. I mean, I, I nice rented car. one years ago, like last year, and I was... Re- couldn't believe how well it rode, and then we just drove it around. The, the springs, the suspension, everything is set up so nicely for yeah. commuting. On LA's really terrible roads, it does a really, really good job of hiding. Yeah, and it feels, you know, in the canyons, it's like it's 170 horsepower and it's 3,000 pounds. So mm-hmm. like, it's not fast. No, it's not. But in the city, because you can treat its engine like you hate it, it's. You, <laughs> I find myself going, you know, reasonably quick. All the time, because I'm just willing to smash the floorboard with the throttle, like, all the time, and it feels fine. Yeah, it feels st- almost like an EV. Yeah, should, like you yeah. can't break it. Yeah, and it's yeah. quiet, and all it, it, the transition oh, In fact, both of easy. us uh, forgot to press the clutch in coming to a stop, because it was so, so like, <laughs> quiet and shit that we both forgot it was stick at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Within, like, a half hour of each other, we both did it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it started, like, bucking, and I'm like, what's, uh, did I break it? Oh, clutch. Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. It's completely fucking forgotten stick. I gotta say, man, for, for 25,000 bucks. That's a lot of good car. You get the heated seats, you get Apple CarPlay, yeah. you get, and the seat, I will say, the driver's seat, I thought it was very comfortable, especially for the price. Like, the support was good, the bolstering was good, it was it was soft, but not too soft. Yeah, the driver's All seat was it. good. Yeah. In fact, I think they knock off the seat back shape from another car they make. It does look familiar, doesn't it? It, it looks awful Lexus-like. Yeah, from the side, I was like, this looks very I think angular. they knock the shape off from Lexus. Mm. It's not as nice as Lexus's seat, but I think they knock off the seat back shape from there, yeah. It's yeah. good. Overall, high marks, I think. Yeah, I agree. High marks. And there's really almost nothing about the car that I didn't like that you couldn't easily change. Really, it's really the tires. Yeah. I don't know what else. I, what else would I change? I mean, I wouldn't change anything else, really. Yeah, nothing else. Um, we didn't set the brakes on fire. No. I thought we would. It doesn't really have enough power to set the brakes it on doesn't. fire. If it had a turbo without more brakes. And we were on a really tight road. We were on a great road. I mean, phew, <sighs> that is a fantastic road. But Yerba we, we Buena, couldn't sunrise. really get oh, enough speed the best. to, like, we couldn't get going fast enough to then have to brake heavily because the corners <laughs> were just so tight. It was like skiing through trees. It felt like I was going quick, but, like, I don't. I you, bet in the yeah, footage it looks really it slow. Looks really <laughs> slow. Yeah, and, and you're making noise, and I, I can, you know, you got to brake aggressively, but it looks slow. It does. But, man, Corolla. it's a solid car. It's a Corolla. Yeah. Corolla Corolla is as Corolla does. So the, most, I'm, pop, most sold car in the world ever. More oh, than the for Beetle. sure. More than yeah, the Beetle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's like... 
it's just ubiquitous everywhere. And I think they make like the old ones still in like oh, other. Somewhere? Yeah, like you go to like Brazil or some shit, and they still make one like two generations ago. Like in Africa, probably. they probably sell the tooling. Like I was, uh, we went to Bills. You know that dude who hangs out on the porch at Bills? Mm-hmm. Were you there when he was telling me his Corolla story? No. He felt that this guy who hangs out at Bills felt the need to tell me his Corolla story. He had a 94 Corolla wagon, and I feel the need to tell you. So, ha. <laughs> and uh, he blew the motor. In. I'm going to tell you the much shorter version. He found a way to make the story 15 minutes. He blew the motor in it, and he put it on Craigslist with a blown motor, and within minutes he had people blowing up his phone, outbidding each other. Well, as it turns out, it was a Corolla wagon, which is like, the tac- official taxi cab of every country that ends in Stan. And uh, and so in, uh, international exporters no wanted way. it. Yeah, they just, they'll, they fucking dump them over there like all day long. So wow. they were trying to beat down the guy's door to export it to so like Afghanistan much, to be a cab. How much money do you think it costs to ship that car to Afghanistan as cheaply uh, as possible? It's got to be a couple According grand, to right? this dude, one of those... It, it's like two or three grand to put it the slow, you know, they put, because right. they kind of stack them inside the containers. Because yeah. they can put like four of them in a container, yeah. put that shit on a ship and, you know. Okay. And I guess they're like, you know, 10, 12,000 bucks over there because that's, that's, a, that's a job. Wow. You know what I mean? That, that's your, you're a cab driver now. Here you go. Wow. That's yeah. quite a payment on a car depending on what the GDP of the country <laughs> is and, and the, you know, daily yeah. income. Wow. I don't know what I don't know how they do medallions in Afghanistan, but apparently they drive Corolla wagons. I think if you just have the car, pretty you, much. I don't know if that's it's me just white totally speaking and just out put of a little yellow cone on the roof. Wow, yeah, it's quite the flip. Yeah, I mean it seems it, it's logical, it makes sense. In Mexico, it's those uh, the the Sentras. Yep, which are Tsurus uh, Nissan. I think it's T S U R U, U R U R U. I took one as a cab when I was in. Yep, yep. that's it. Hundred percent. That, that's a. How many fucking generations ago? Oh, the crash test. Just pull up the crash. Just pull up that. Yeah, that's all Ooh. you need to know. So, Wow, the front tires are basically in the trunk. The Nissan... Oh, this is the title of that image. The title of this article. The Nissan Suru in Mexico has been involved in fourth, over 4,000 deaths between 2007 and 2000... Uh, what is the other year? Find out after the jump. Find, <laughs> click. And 2012. Yikes. It's an old article, and... That crash test picture really really says a lot about why they don't sell that shit anymore here. Right. I think they just just like maybe 2020 was the was they finally said you can't sell the shit box in Mexico anymore. I think you're right. Yeah, I drove that Sentra. You know, I drove this generation Sentra with mods on it, and the guy was telling me he's like, they still make this in other countries now. <laughs> yeah. and this was two years ago. Yeah, I mean, they were really kind of cool. But... The SCR from yeah. back in the day. That thing with mob. Yep. But like, well, it had multi-link for all four corners. Right. For like two years, it had that, and the engine was fine. And uh, and after that, they went to torsion beam and all this other stuff, but it had a couple of years where it was really good. And yet, they kept making it for 30 years in other countries. I took one as a cab in Puerto Vallarta in like 2019. And I tried, you know, I, I my Spanish is not great, but it could get me by the very... And, ble- you know, I tried to speak Spanish, this, this cab driver... You know, five, it was a pretty long ride. We were going out to some remote restaurant or whatever. Like five minutes in the ride, it's like, oh, I'm from Chicago, bro. <laughs> you know, it's one of those. I was like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> He's like, good. I appreciate you trying. You're good. <laughs> yeah, that's, but he was, he was, he said the Suru. He's like, we're driving, driving this thing. He's like, it's so sketchy. 
He's like, people get in crashes in these things, and they just just completely disintegrate. Dude, they just fall apart. Dude, that picture yeah. was, I mean, the front was bumper was in the back seat. Yeah, for it was bad. real. <laughs> it was really, really Really bad. scary stuff. Um, anyway, we've got, uh, we launched this Clips channel, by the way. You guys should go find it on YouTube. It's TST Clips. Yes, it is. TST Clips. Is that 1.07? 1. Thousand subscribers. It's one point oh seven. It's not a lot of subscribers. How many clips did you put up there, though? It was uh, like twenty. Right now we've got twenty. We're putting out five a week. Five a week. Publishing five a week. Holy shit! We have a good back catalog, and yeah, I mean it's all the best stuff from the podcast. It's like comedians, drivers, chefs, a journalist, whatever. Funny moments. People yelling at each other occasionally. Uh, we've been paying a guy for like over a year to make these clips. Mm-hmm. His name is Michael. He's very nice. Yep. And up <laughs> this whole time, we've done nothing with them. <laughs> I've done nothing with them. Well, yeah. I had two jobs. Yeah, you had two jobs. Now that you have one job, right. it is uh, it is there. So go over to TST Clips, subscribe, and uh, hopefully it brings more people uh, eventually to our show. Yo, the Segura video, 485,000 views. Oh, shit. Wow, really? Yeah. The rev share on that? No, we don't. Not till you hit ten thousand subscribers. Oh fuck! Yeah. Wow, we put a clip up that has four hundred eighty-five thousand views. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Tom Segura. Yeah, exactly. We really appreciate it, that. It brought his fans. That in. has like <laughs> second place. That has like ten thousand times more <laughs> views than the next than the next one. It has just Guy Fieri's first muscle. I think car. it's four hundred four hundred eighty-five times. Yeah. 485 times more. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, go check out the Clips channel. You know, if you don't have time for a full podcast, go uh, listen to a clip. And if you subscribe to us on YouTube, they'll probably start popping up in your recommended. So maybe once in a while, just give us a little clicky click. Yeah. Give it a little clicky click. Let it see what's up. And, and so, yeah, there's that happening. That's a thing. Uh, I took the uh, 328 to the canyons this past weekend for the first time because I put 500 miles on it before I went to Donnie's. But... Not canyon miles because I didn't want to have something break and get myself stranded, so I didn't want to go too far out of town. Okay, but but I took Christian and uh, and um, we went with this dude Steve, who's a friend. Also, he's at the motoring club, and he's got a seventy-seven three hundred eight carbureted with uh, an exhaust like headers and like a tubey exhaust, and his shit is like snarly. Not only is it snarly, his shit shoots fire. Like, his shit regularly shoots fire. Now, you have been on record as saying that cars that shoot fire are better than cars that don't shoot fire. Yes. So does that make his car better than yours? In some ways, yes. Ooh, okay. In some ways, it is better. And it's really, his shit sounds fucking snarly. Because, I mean, the carburetors are also yeah. snarly. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's also not as fast. Mine pulls harder. Really? Yeah, mine pulls harder. Interesting. But is that because um, yours run, or just because more efficient Well, mine's a 328, yeah. and his is a 308, so... Um, but, um, I also don't think that I would, um, want that sound like that's like his, you know, like weekend special car. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, he takes this thing out to like go mob and he drives it pretty hard. Bless his heart. You know what I mean? Respect. Um, what's really interesting about that 308 is it's got the 14 inch wheels on it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an early car, so it has really skinny bumpers and shit. And he might have even taken the rear bumper off completely. Now that I think about it, um, and how much it looks like a Dino with the small wheels on it, compared to like 
how much my car looks like later cars. What is his? 72? His is 77, 308 GTB. Um, and there's a picture of my car next to his on, on my Instagram. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good photo. But the smaller wheels, um, it uh, the 14-inch wheels, it really, like that silver one up on the top there, it looks a lot more like Dino-like than the uh, later cars with the bigger wheels, I think. Yeah, I mean, th- that is a lot of sidewall. That is... It's a lot of sidewall, side and then look how little rear bumper there is too. Yeah, and especially my homie Steve's car is black, so you, you really it's the the black is even more hidden. Yeah, and the so, small bumper, man, that is that's a good small bumper's car. good. Small yeah. bumper's cool. If you're gonna have a 308, like that's probably the one to have. His interior is super sick too. The old school like levers and stuff. Mine yeah. is really like 80s, like pseudo digital kind of garbage. <laughs> I, I'm jealous of his levers. The levers are really cool. Oh, his does have the rear bumper, but it's black, black, so it's harder to see. But so his, yeah, go back to my Instagram. I'm going to find, okay, I was going to find it. Where am I going? Right there, that. The dark two cars next to each other, right there. So it's just more like, I don't know, Dino-like. That's all I meant to say. But my car ran very nice. All the temperatures are good. It ran like a champ. It made excellent power. It's very smooth. Um, It does have a burble. Uh, it doesn't shoot fire, but it's like, it's not, and it's not like a bangy burble. It's like a little more mellow burble, um, but it runs fucking nice. Yeah, very good. You know, it's a big difference. Well, oh you were running on like seven cylinders before sometimes. When it was cold, yeah. yeah. Now, now it's like it's great. It's wow. excellent. So, um, I need to do some more miles on it, but uh, there will be lots of driving that, and then it's going to go back to Donnie for shocks, bushings. And uh, fixing my gauge cluster. Now, did you not take it to the canyons to begin with? Because that's kind of like the shakedown. Like you just got it, but isn't it funny? Like you get a professional to do things. Yeah. And yet there's still a part of us that's like, let's just make sure. No, no, I didn't take it to the canyons before it went to Donnie. No, a- after I thought you said you didn't go to the canyons because you were. No, no, before. Oh, before. Okay. Got it. I went. A- I went as soon as I had time. Got it. After when it came back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense because there were like. Parts falling apart. No, yeah, things things were not in good nick before. Now that right. now that everything's kosher, the fucking thing is running awesome. It was great fun. I'm gonna go up there all the time. What was it now. that came apart? Your injector or something? Like one of the when we were there the first time at Donnie's. <laughs> oh yeah, the he in, just like he's yeah, like, the see in, how this supposed to be bolted in? Yeah, and the injector just came out. Came out. Yeah, the like the O rings that were holding in the injectors were like not doing their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're golden now. Excellent power. Nice. Yeah. So that's good. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Uh, Bill got his first coronavirus shot, so he can he can be a little less grumpy now. He definitely seemed less grumpy. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, he's he's a cancer survivor as well. So imagine having to be like in the front facing front of house food service industry with all the fucking entitled assholes in Malibu coming in and like not wearing masks and shit when you've like already beat cancer. So. Yeah, yeah, you're in your where you're one sneeze away. Yeah. Like, yeah, someone else just coughing. Yeah, that'd be really, really scary. scary shit. Yeah. So yeah, yay, Bill, get vaccinated. Everybody, go get a breakfast burrito during the go get, for yeah. Real. Go get a breakfast burrito or ask for Matt's sandwich, which is the bacon, egg, and cheese bagel, but with cream cheese. Which is one of these things that sounds gross, but in actuality, once you try it, you will wonder how you've been missing out on that your entire. I life. will support that statement. I thought it was going to be gross, and it was mm-hmm. amazing. It's like the cold cheese, you know, it's, it's like an icing, but not too sweet. It's like the McLaren Elva. I was like, well, that's going to be dumb. 
Who would want that? And then I was like, hang on a minute. That was an artful pivot, by the way. I think I would like to never drive cars with windshields again. I think we're going to go sans windshield from here on out. (laughs) That was a good pivot, wasn't it? It was, very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to linger there, though. Oh, someone suggested earlier that we talk about Tesla and Bitcoin. What do they they want us to say about it? I don't know. I mean, it was just, what do you think about Tesla and buying Bitcoin? I think... Some I read that they made more profit on Bitcoin than oh, they yeah. made selling cars. They did, yeah, correct. In, in a day, because their announcement that they bought it sent it up another whatever ten percent. Oh, is that metric in a day? Yeah, that, oh. yeah. It was, but it, yeah. but it was but it was more in the day than they'd made cars for the year or something for the right? quarter for yeah. the quarter, right? Yeah. Well, because they they their filing was in January, so uh-huh. they bought it when it was at thirty something, and then by the time they announced it, it had already gone up another. 33% and then their announcement sent it up enough. so whatever it is it's like they they had just made 25-30% on their investment by the Sounds time they announced like a good investment. yeah I mean it is financially for them uh, yeah but, but it's not it's I don't know enough about the shoulds or should nots necessarily of Bitcoin like as just like I just kind of look at it like a stock more mm-hmm. than anything else really which I think for like a stupid person like me is kind of how you're supposed to look at it. It's, it's how people yeah. talk about it. Yeah, that's the simplest way to look at it. Yeah. It's like people look at it as an investment or a currency. That's an argument that people can have. But. <clears throat> I, I look at it more of as an investment than a currency because don't you have to, I mean, unless someone explicitly says that they will accept Bitcoin as payment for something, you pretty much have to convert it back into money, yeah. uh, dollars yeah. or whatever, some other type of federal currency to... Yeah, correct. Right? There are some and then companies... there's tax implications, right? Right. Yeah, because you're, you're, if you're selling it, it, it can be a taxable event, right? Because it's an investment that's being converted to fiat. So it's like it's like if someone said, I guess there's two things. Some businesses just accept Bitcoin. Some business and they take it. Some businesses will accept it, but they're immediately converting it to fiat so they right. can have cash. Right. So they're accepting it, but they're flip. They're, you know, they're they're exchanging it. And but then, that's really they're not really accepting it. They're really it's really saying it's like a marketing thing. It's like. I mean, I think if people, I think they're just looking at like, look, if people want to pay us, however, they yeah. can pay us, and we'll take this and we'll change, exchange it for cash, and that's fine. I don't know what they are they taking. Of, they're taking the hit then on that. I don't. I don't know. What, I don't okay. know what happens to a business if they take it. I, uh-huh. But like Tesla also announced that they're going to start taking Bitcoin for Teslas. That I will wait and see until they actually do. Mm-hmm. You know, Tesla's the king of announcing, right? You know, they yeah. they get and the announcement. The front you get the front page announcement. And by the way, if you fucking invest in Bitcoin, now you're talking about creating a circle. Right. Right? Yeah. Like a self fulfilling, which is really the problem with Tesla, because at this point, an investor isn't even investing in Tesla, the car company. You're not even really investing in Elon. You're really investing in the fact that other people are going to continue investing in Elon, which means you're actually investing kind of in gullibility. You mean just as far as the stock price goes? Yeah. Or, well, I mean, that's kind of true of any stock. Like, you're buying it, and you're hoping... Well, there, you know, you're hoping it goes up in value so that maybe one day you'll sell it to somebody who's willing to pay a higher value for well, it. Well, yeah, of course. But if I buy a stock in a lot of other things, it's because I actually want the business to be doing better, not because I'm just hoping other people will get in on some fucking fantasy world. I mean, true, but you'd have to ask each investor, like, do you think that Tesla will one day be 
you know, profitable and have growth quarter over quarter over quarter yeah. because of the battery factories here and the development there. And some people might go, yeah. And some people might go, no, I just think he's going to pump it. You know, yeah. it's going to go to 3,000 one day and I can sell it. I yeah. bet you have people on both sides. I mean, there's yeah. like the whole thing with, with GameStop, like hedge funds aren't in there going, this is going to be accruing in value and this company is going to be no, of course. Thing. They're yeah. just like, in two minutes, I'm going to sell this for double. Yeah, yeah, no. fair, fair. Um, and But it's just, I don't know, there's something really that feels so like wrong and terrible about the confluence of a car company stock that's incredibly overvalued compared to the actual performance of the cars. And by performance of the cars, I mean sales, right? Completely divorced from reality, right? Mm -hmm. Most valuable car company in the world, 1% market share, right, right. eat a fucking dick, yeah. okay? So we're already in fantasy land. So already this stock price is based on how much people believe in what comes out of Elon's mouth, which is 99% garbage and bullshit. Um, and as evidenced by the fact that the refreshed Model S is not even really refreshed. Like, they don't actually have any ideas in reality. They only have hype and fantasy to try and sell you to keep it fucking pumping, right? So that's already completely divorced from reality. Now you're talking about, and, and the stands, the biggest stands are also their investors, right? So you are financially rewarded for investing in and repeating the hype. Right. And that is the same type of thing, behavior you get with Bitcoin people. Uh, and when you combine the two and all of them are financially rewarded, you now have this crossover of Bitcoin people hyping Tesla just because they got the pump from from that and then and the and vice versa. Right. And it's completely divorced from reality. Well, I think I would say that the people on the side of Bitcoin are not divorced from reality because to them, this is a large institution that's an S&P 500 company that just voted confidence in something that they believe in. So it would be the first company that did it was this company called MicroStrategy, which is like a huge investment company. And they bought $400 million of Bitcoin last year. Mm -hmm. And so that was a vote, but nobody knows who MicroStrategy is. And like the name sounds like they make mouse pads. So now you have a, a company that is recognized like basically the world over, Tesla, doing the same thing. So they are excited that a, a company with that much notoriety and oversight mm -hmm. is investing in the same thing they've invested in. But I think the Tesla thing is you are correct. There are, anytime someone has a vested financial interest, it's really hard for them to divorce that from the facts of a company where yeah. they, you know if you tell someone like the Tesla Roddy is a great example not only do they have the product so they have to defend their purchase you know you have to you have to defend your 50 to 140,000 dollar car purchase right you have to defend that and then if you're also invested in the company now you have to defend your investment so someone it's very hard i think for a human being to turn off that psychology of i'm going to defend my decision and then go you know what you're right like their financials don't make a lot of sense and their market share is way low compared to their stock price you're going to go no 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 in 20 years, yeah. they're going to make the batteries that help us, you know, fly helicopters like uh, uh, you know across the ocean without with one charge or something like that. So I think it's just really hard for humans to ignore uh, ignore facts like that. Yeah, and I I also I mean again, it's it's 
the promise that would deliver the value isn't based necessarily on selling more cars. It's on delivering self-driving cars. That's mm-hmm. where their eggs are all in that basket. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see I retweeted a story this morning in which they pretty much are doing what Trump's legal team was doing, telling everyone this one thing. The, in Trump's case, we're talking about the election was stolen. In Tesla's case, we're talking about these cars will be self-driving cars. Your Model 3 will be a self-driving car. But when they go to the, when 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 Rudy Giuliani goes into court, or when Tesla goes in to file the appropriate paperwork for driving a self-driving L3 or above vehicle on public roads in California, they go, "Oh no no no, our cars are only L2. They're definitely not self-driving. We don't need to do this extra level of research and reporting that you would need to do if they were self-driving because our cars are definitely not self-driving." Hmm. So. When it comes to the people pumping the stock and listening to Elon talk about how self-driving cars are right around the corner and your car could be a robo-taxi and we're just here and it's big, bad OEMs keeping us little guy from doing this, in, when, it, when it counts, when they're filing the paperwork with the actual system that would allow them to sell self-driving cars, they're going, we do not absolutely do not make a self-driving car. If we did, we would require all the owners of these self-driving cars to fill out all this extra shit to operate a self-driving car on California roads. Our cars are most definitely not self-driving, nor will they ever be. So that's what it says when they're filing their paperwork, Mm. but they're just spinning this bullshit to everybody else, and everybody else is just fucking eating it up because a, they, they want to believe that this is around the corner, and Elon is a very good salesman, and he sounds just smart enough to sound really smart, but he's not that smart. Um, and I think he's pretty smart. He's pretty smart, but he's not as nearly as smart as he makes himself fucking out to be. He says dumb shit all the time. I mean, I think humans are going to say dumb shit all the time. Well, that's fine, but yeah. people don't worship fucking most of them. So is if, so, if someone files for a self-driving car, are you talking about like... Waymo or any other companies that are testing that technology, right. they have to file like a, a different kind of paperwork, a different correct, kind of regulation. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and and every car has this sort of a, a, a log, like a like a like a like a race car would have a log, or like a boat has a log, or a plane has a log. You know, it's really constant kind of reporting. Mm. Um, and the the existing laws for the testing of autonomous vehicles, or so I've read. And I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but the exist. What I've read is the the laws for this are really written for corporate-owned fleets of test vehicles. Mm, they okay. are not written for a consumer for vehicle. Consumer vehicle, right. and they would need to be. They need to be massively rewritten for that. I'm sure, because yeah. because according to basically everybody, we're so far away from that 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 the, these rules don't even need to exist yet. However, right, like the NHTSA. They, I'm sure they had meetings about this with car companies, and they right. go, "How close are you all to actually doing this?" And they go, Not. ten years, twenty yeah. years." And they go, "Okay, then we don't need to, you know, use the resources to rewrite these laws and think about this now." Right? Yeah. Okay. But here's Tesla at the other end, going, "Our system is ready. It's ready for this." So it's telling people because they make a little of these little of the videos, right? When they run their system at level three, when they make these promotional videos that show the car driving itself, the 
asterisk down there says that we only run this system at level three for this video. So they have to do the logging for the video, but only then. Got it. It's it's so anyway. I I suppose I it's if Tesla wants to take Bitcoin as a form of payment, cool, fine, that's good. I suppose there's nothing wrong with more people taking Bitcoin for payment. I guess. To me, it's not really any different than saying we'll take payment in euros or we'll take payment in right. Apple stock or, or you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You could put you could tri- you could put up your stock options in whatever you know what I mean. We'll right. take payment. We'll take There's payment in Vanguard index funds. I guess like I don't I don't personally draw a real distinction between that. I, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like I don't think Bitcoin's like a legitimate investment vehicle. Like it is. Um, but I just, God, do I not trust them to do anything altruistic? Because it's like, just to me, it doesn't seem like anything they do is really altruistic. And so I'm always kind of like, well, what is the angle here? Like, what, where, what, is, what does that make him able to get away with? Oh. Uh, That's what I'm always kind of looking for. And generally yeah, yeah. finding. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, it's not like, I'm, I'm not regularly proven wrong about really hardly anything I say about this company. So, well, so. it's you know one interesting point I saw was, um, you know, they took a billion and a half dollars and they put it into this, which, you know, based on history, will accrue in value at least over the next year, maybe two years, whatever. Obviously, nothing is a foregone conclusion, but. Um, should they have taken that billion and a half dollars and put it into production, put it in, you know, help fix the production problems? They're having, yeah. I saw a thing like China is having a big problem with Teslas with a bunch of failures and part things and shocking. fires, like lots of Absolutely stuff. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. A company that builds cars of garbage quality in America can't build them of better well, quality in China. There, so there's a couple interesting <laughs> things there. Like, one, I, it's, I, I'm always hesitant to trust news coming out of China because it's such a controlled environment, right? Sure. So you have an American company. And this is all totally theoretical, but I have to take that with a grain of salt because about six months ago when I was writing Haggerty's Daily Driver, um, there's a story that a bunch of people were trying to return their Teslas in China for front suspension failure. Mm-hmm. And it was like a bunch well, of people Well, that's were the reporting. problem that happened here. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Because they were saying that they're... So the, the, the rebuttal Google, by Tesla was Google, people were crashing uh, into shit. Tesla galvanizing front suspension failure. It's a big thing here. But they did. But the government did not make them... Uh, right there. Second U.S. agency. November 2020. This is recent. That's U.S. agency investigating Tesla front suspension failures. Yepers. That shit happens all the time, bro. All right, wow. Yep. I retract. I thought it was... Uh, Just how about Google, Google image search? Tesla Model S front suspension failure. And prepare to laugh at the number of nearly identical images. Here's what you're going to see. Wheels crushed up into wheel wells. <laughs> and... Crunch. Yeah. Oh wow. Yep. Week old. Couple of them. Couple of them. Couple of them. Couple of them. Wompy wheel. Wompy wheels. So anyway, yeah, it happens. You know, there. This is why I think the model of the Cybertruck is horseshit. They can't build normal cars properly. Every time they've tried to claim they can reinvent some production process, remember the alien dreadnought. You don't remember? 
Google Tesla no. alien dreadnought. That's what Elon Musk called his fucking totally automated Model 3 assembly line that didn't work for fucking shit, which led to them building the tent where they build cars. They tried to build this crazy automated factory, oh, except like it. it didn't fucking work. None of it worked. They had major problems, and they had to eliminate oh like a, a lot of the robots and put in humans. And that's why these cars, <laughs> that's why they're building fucking tents. I mean, because that's how we've been to, well, we've been to the Corvette factory. I mean, a lot of factories now, it's it's a mix of humans and robots. The, the you know, robots handle the welding because it's repetitive and dangerous and it's just precise welds and they get a lot better, uh, they do a lot better job. But the humans are always there, like overseeing stuff, installing interiors, other things that kind of need to be moved and wiggled a little bit. So very bold to do everything with robots. So it's but, not perfect but, yet. Right. But why brag about it? But, like, why try and reinvent the wheel? Why assume everything that's been done before is wrong or bad? Like, that's Well, I think we're always trying to push to do something better than it was done before, right? I mean, right, that's but how what you I'm get... saying is they've already proven they're bad at that. So why continue <laughs> to lean into it? Why not be like, hey, listen, guys, we should practice building, like, regular cars before going, letting our CEO get up on stage and being like, we're going to complete, completely reinvent how all cars are built. And they're going to look like this Total Recall movie prop, by the way. Right. Little less walk acid, you, maybe. Run kind right. Of thing. Mm. Maybe like we figure out how to make tail lights that don't turn into fish tanks filled with water. Like maybe we figure out how to make suspension components that don't just disintegrate. Yeah, that's a big. That would be somewhere problem. to start before being like, we're going to reinvent auto manufacturing with our one percent market share. <laughs> you guys are all suckers. Every fucking one of you. Everyone is. The, uh, it, it's that whole like Silicon Valley move fast and break things. Of course. But now you have so many pieces. You know, it's not move fast like and break things. Software, I'm on my motorcycle like, on the highway next to the things that are breaking. <laughs> right. That's that's why it's 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 a lot different when you are making a physical product right. that then is made of a million other physical products. Move, it has to move. It has to endure physics. You know, it's not just like we've made software that changes the way finances run. And it's not yeah. like the only people that sign up to beta test are the people who are leasing and buying Teslas. Every other person on the road is beta point. testing. Yeah, it's a good point. And and if the beta test goes badly, and that Tesla hits you, that company will do everything in their power to put the blame for that on the the owner or lessee of the vehicle and to avoid responsibility as a company that's like their policy just saying <sighs> should we go to the people it. what's that should we go to the people uh, uh yeah anything else it's actually the, you know it's this and it's the safety part of it that bo- the that all of this av shit is cynically leaned up against a crux of we're improving safety but like Really, are you know? Are we, or are we, are we just finding a way to get get people to part with their money? You know what I, I mean? Think, I think it's a mix of both. I mean, I think uh, companies are very good at creating a problem and telling you that you have a problem, yeah. whether it's a diet thing or a technology thing mm-hmm. or a thing. You know, you need this coffee table, not that coffee table. Like, here's a better way to fold your shirt, whatever it is. Right. So that that's how they sell you shit. And so some of right. the problems. I mean. It, there's two things like if you want to sell us more stuff create the problem but there's also a genuine evolution that happens with products and machinery that's how we get where we are now and that's how we get to where we're going to be right but I just wish those products and machinery were made pretty better. fucking foolproof before right. they were put onto the highway with a fucking wink wink disclaimer yeah I mean you know, they a have- fan club that is financially incentivized 
to bury problems and elevate the leader. Mm -hmm. Financially incentivized. Remember that fake reality show I did, the Ford Focus rally back in the day? Yeah. It was the amazing race. We went car we went from place to place in the new the then new Ford Focus, right? Everyone was allowed to use GPS. <laughs> it was a scavenger hunt in which everyone was allowed to use the GPS in the car, but that's all you had. Okay? Same car, same GPS, okay? Supposedly a navigational challenge. <laughs> <laughs> The first person to get to each place would win. And they had trackers in the car and you weren't supposed to speed. But we'd speed by like one mile an hour, two miles an hour. And it would creep up. And literally you'd see the car, the next guy in front of you. And you'd say, so you'd, you'd, the speed limit would be 70 and you'd go to 73. And then they'd, they'd fucking yell at you because the insurance, you know, you couldn't have you speeding, right? So they'd sit you down and they'd yell at you and they'd go, you can't speed on this event. It's not. It's just not worth it. And I stand up and I go, "Excuse me, you've told us the first person there fucking wins, and there's a fifty thousand dollar prize. It is a hundred percent worth it. Yeah, absolutely worth it. You made up a game and are trying to tell me it's not worth it to speed when the facts of the case are that it is absolutely worth it to speed. Yeah, this math says worth it." And guess what? The very next day, they had a fucking powwow with the producers. They changed the rules. Really? All, yeah, all oh, of a sudden, the next day, driving was eliminated from the competition. Oh, no shit. one, yeah, getting there first didn't matter yeah, anymore. Because they, they didn't argue with that. Nobody mentioned this in a production meeting. Well, <laughs> By the way, they're incentivized to speed. To that point, I know that neither of us watched the Super Bowl, but my uh, physical therapist did, so I got this story. <laughs> but there was a streaker during the mm -hmm, Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. You know that? Mm -hmm. Now, someone put down a bet in Vegas the that there day would be a before there would be a streaker, <gasps> and the odds were insane. Yeah. The person that was the streaker put that bet down. No fucking way. And they made $370,000. So this person bet, like, whatever was Does less it count? Than it, there was no asterisk, and the streaker couldn't be yourself? I bet there will be next year, but there was not. <laughs> so the guy went to jail, got bailed out, got paid out. No so, way. You know, whatever your name is, you're a true American. Genius. True American a hero genius. and a patriot. God bless. God bless. And if you're an immigrant, so good. We need more like you. Frank, to go get her. That's a creative <laughs> a thinker. I was amazed. I was like that person is brilliant. Yeah. Now I, that's I didn't... like that joke. That's literally the joke from the Quentin Tarantino. Uh, the Quentin Tarantino joke from Desperado. I think. I remember the new one. I remember he gets up on the bar and pisses all over the bar. Pisses all over. And the joke is that someone bet him like all this money to do it. No, I, I it, remember. Whatever it is, but the, the streak, that's the joke. Yeah. The joke is it is financially Amazing. incentivized to do this terrible behavior. Oh, right. Like, I'll bet you $1,000 someone pees on this bar. Exactly. And like, All right, and I do it, and you're like, yeah. you got to pay me. 100%. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the, where am I going with this? I hope you figured out that the metaphor is when, when bad behavior of any kind is financially incentivized. Which it almost always is. Which, I mean, it almost always is in our modern times, but it, 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 a lot of people are incentivized to make money by fucking pumping up this company. Mm -hmm. And the merger of this company with Bitcoin, even if the Bitcoin people weren't Tesla people before, they might not know any fucking thing about cars, but they say they go, Tesla's making Bitcoin better, therefore I'm with that guy. And when that guy speaks, they'll just repeat. I think... I, dis I disagree. I think the only re the only thing that will negatively impact people that are super into Bitcoin would be 
if it suddenly goes, Tesla sells all of its Bitcoin because uh-huh. of anything other than they have a cash problem. But if it's like, you know, if they go, you know what, we're not really into this anymore, that's bad. But if the cars are crashing or whatever, they're not going to go, yeah, we're like, it doesn't really help their, their cause as much. I don't, I think if they can convince enough people to repeat that Teslas are the cars that drive themselves. I now if they then do that, that yes. well but that's what they that's what they're doing that's that's the, that's what I'm saying that's the problem the a lot of people are financially incentivized to repeat Elon Musk's lies I know but I'm, what I'm saying is I think the people that hold Tesla stock are more incentivized I think the people that are like deep Bitcoin, into Bitcoin and Tesla stock are now linked mm, they're now so. linked I, I bet you they, they are. are I bet you they're more linked than you think they are Okay. Well, I mean, we'll watch it. Yeah. It's been like two days. And by the way, when I say I bet you, I'm not invested in any of this shit. <laughs> I don't I'm, hold any Tesla. I'm very, I'm, I have no Bitcoin. I have no alternative coins. Tom Morningstar at one point had <laughs> a lot of Doja coins <laughs> when they were a hundredths of a cent or whatever yeah. the fuck. Bought them as a goof. I don't think you can ever get them, though. I think they're lost in a computer somewhere. It's so fun. Yeah, they probably yeah. are. Yeah. But I, I don't hold any themselves. OEM auto stocks whatsoever. No, it would be I. completely unethical yeah. of me to do so. Uh, other people, uh, <clears throat> Sandy Monroe, hold Tesla stock, just saying. I don't know who that is. He's the guy who called the Model 3 a fucking mid-90s Kia at first, but then recently said how nice the Model Y and not a Model 3 were being made, and then said on video was bragging about how much money he made holding Tesla stocks. And this is supposedly the guy that everybody puts on a fucking pedestal as being the end-all and be-all of objective build quality criticism. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't do that. It, it's conflict of interest. Yeah, you can't do it. But he did it. Just saying. Um, just trying to pull uh, The people? Do what the people have anything? Did our show go down? No, no, the show is fine, but YouTube's, like, YouTube studio interaction, I mean, this is having, remember how uh, earlier this week the font was all fucked up? Yeah. Now it's like. Now the the, uh, super chat is, like, fucked up? No, I have to go find it in, like, in the the back setting. So talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. What else did I have written down in my new book? I must have had something worth talking about, I'm sure. The Delica is at the body shop. Hannah got crashed into. I think I was talking about mm-hmm. this before. And uh, it's not totaled. The damage is fucking expensive. 7500 bucks. Whoa. It's a lot. That is a lot. But uh, you, you, you guess what a complete sliding door assembly for a Delica goes for? $2,800. Less. Twenty-two. Oh. Yeah, not right. so bad. You know what the what the fucking kicker is is that the the step on the passenger side where you would step into the sliding door mm-hmm. got pushed into the fuel tank, which is behind that step. So it didn't rupture it, but it dented it. Oh, shit. so we have to. So the fuel tank's a thousand bucks. Yeah, that's not good. That sucks balls. I could also like not replace the fuel tank and just like, oh yeah, we're down a down a half gallon. <laughs> um, oh man, Zach is really. Intently Focus. looking for Focused. for YouTube stuff right now. Um, additionally, I talked with Doug about uh, possibly swap leasing Alex Roy's Model Three. Mm-hmm. Trying to plan anything with Alex Roy is very difficult, <laughs> and I thought that this Model Three was like handy. <laughs> he made it sound like it was like around, like like he had it. And I could just pay him, right? Because it's his car, so and he could just ship it. it. But but like a week went by, and I was like, "Hey man, what's up with that Model 3? 
you want me to get a truck going or what? And he was like, uh, it's under two feet of snow in New Jersey. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he was like, well, it's not. It's here in Miami, but I need to get my other one, which is under two feet of snow in New Jersey. And I was like, when are you going to do that? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, boy. So what are you going to do? I'm not really sure. Um, oh, boy. When Zach is taking a picture of the screen... That's not I'll really be sending good. I'm this to YouTube support because. Oh. but so I'm going. So I, I'm just gonna have to scroll through the chat oh. like this. So we'll, oh, it's gonna. Oh, it's gonna be like that. Oh, yeah. okay, that's not that bad. Yeah. Uh, Michael Fabiano is Zach wearing an Icapod? No, Zach is wearing a Bremont ALT one, ALT one, ALTZ one, ALT. What is it? ALTZ one. ALTZ one. It's a nice watch. It's a GMT. Chrono. Uh, Michael's looking to lease an EV when my current lease is up. Mach-E versus Kona EV. How do they compare? I prefer Mach-E to Kona EV. The Kona EV is really just like a regular Kona. Like, which is nothing wrong with a Kona. But like, it's it really, it feels like an economy car that's had an EV powertrain put into it. Whereas the Mach-E is a more like complete comprehensive project comprehend yeah that's that there you go it's a it's a it's more of a future product i've um, not driven a kona at all i haven't really driven one either but a client at west side here has one and i poked around it and i drove it around a little bit and while it is fundamentally a very nice looking product um i wasn't you know kind of like wowed by it like i was with the maki mm -hmm. so if it's cheaper uh you know, save yourself some money, and and if like the the having the new like style isn't important to you, like okay, uh, it's a little more invisible in traffic. Still, people. I mean, I'm sure that'll wear off in a year or two, but for now, people are still kind of oogling model uh, Machis. Well, there's huh. a problem in December. With uh oh. The recall in South Korea. That's a recall in South Korea. Uh, there were. Halting sales of his popular Kona in South oh. Korea due to a recall of the vehicles, fires, and faulty brakes led to massive recalls oh. of the Kona EV. It's so bad that it's halting domestic sales. Huh. Okay. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah. Fire concern. Oh, so there was a there's a recall. Yep, in the U.S. Okay, well, that's a thing. Yeah. Okay, well, look into that. Maybe look into that. <laughs> every car, pretty much every car's got recalls. Very true. Like, yeah. every recalls car don't company. necessarily mean... The things are terrible. Even a really scary sounding one like that. Yeah. Uh, in November, Toyotas, a bunch of them, like hundreds of thousands of Toyotas were having a starting problem where uh -huh. they wouldn't start, which is Toyota's like only job. <laughs> and so before you go, yeah, Hondas are crap or Fords are crap, like just look up, um, go to Autoblog and look up recalls. Like every company has this problem, especially yeah. when even Hyundai just recalled like a bunch of engines. Yes, they like did. Like a lot of engines. They had the biggest recall of last year. Yeah, I was researching it. <laughs> yeah. It was in the millions. It was a, over a million yeah, cars. Yeah, a right? problem. Yeah. I don't know. What, I don't remember the details of it, but like there that was, was a bad. problem. We couldn't do nothing about it. Yeah, we're gonna have to bring yeah. back these engines. And yeah. Google. I don't know. Uh, I. It's not like confirmed yet, but I think I'm leasing a Mach-E myself. Uh, Josh Seelig says, why do I rarely mention Tag Heuer? Is it worth it to spend more for a used Omega Speedmaster over a Tag Carrera? Um, if you like Tag Heuer watches, that is fine. Um, I will not say anything bad about you for liking Tag Heuer watches. It is my opinion that Tag Heuer watch makes uh, about 100 watches, 95 of which are utter garbage, mm. and five of which are pretty cool. Um, yeah. 
So I don't mention them because I'm not particularly into them. Um, but if you are, that's all right. And the um, can I ask I, what maybe a very dumb rudimentary question? Sure. What makes a watch garbage? Like, is it for you? Is it aesthetics or is it like the movement works? It's crunchy. They break. That's a fair question. For me, a lot of it is aesthetics and um, uh, either leaning too much onto their history and kind of coming out with these sort of reissues and tributes and stuff like that, or... um, you know when they when they when they move their their pieces forward, their new pieces are just like not good looking and kind of they don't they don't do it for me. That's got what. it. Um, there are I definitely like some of the vintage Hoyers and I like the the reissue like Octavia and the reissue Carrera uh, a bunch. I'd probably get a used Speedmaster, but I don't like the wavy bezel Speedmasters. I'm I don't want to answer this question because it's free, but it's so fast. Uh. Uh, Four speed versus five speed on automatic. Get the most gears you can in automatic. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to hate your drive. Yeah, the most you can. More is good until you get to like past eight. Then yeah, the, that's true. The ten speeds are not better than the eight speeds, no. in my opinion. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Uh, Trent wants to know if I've thought about documenting my house remodel. No, not really. No. I, I frankly, I don't think it's worked out well for Ferretti. I think oh, for is he it, doing that? I don't know if he's doing it on videos, but like if he is, I don't think it's helping. Um, I, I know I, I you, you'll see a few pictures on in, on my Instagram because I might I, it's just the kind of thing I'll just throw up if something's interesting. I don't I don't want to turn my my house into a thing. There, you know, another reason to it's not I couldn't that wouldn't like if you do a project car and then document the build. It becomes tax deductible because the car, in that case, um, from a tax perspective, is actually no longer a car. It's for as far as the IRS concerned, it's a production expense, um, and and you needed the car to do the build on the car. And because you're a production company making videos about cars, like that's actually and that's legal, by the way. This isn't like some kind of shady tax scam. Like that's a totally legal, legitimate. Like if Top Gear bought those, you know, Top Gear is right, doing. Right, a challenge they buy three ship boxes they haven't bought three cars to use as transportation they've bought three bits of production equipment right so that's that's how that works so bottom line you can't do that with your home <laughs> filming a project car build is worthwhile for that one reason only <laughs> yeah you're gonna be in the house for 20 years you yeah. know iris is gonna show up on year two and be like, yeah. you're still producing are you yeah. where's the show you have to have like a cam girl set up <laughs> and they do it by square footage exactly too. It's so not cool. you have to work in every room in the house <laughs> I found a cam girl set up uh, as Hannah and I were taking a walk through Marina Del Rey and there was a cam girl set up uh, I mean interestingly enough like really right on the ground floor ground level facing the street like yeah, I'm assuming her shutters are normally closed. Right. But, okay. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. She, the one of the biggest ring lights I've ever seen it was like an 18 inch ring light that's so big. with a phone in the middle. My was, favorite thing to do is see people with the ring light out on the beach <laughs> or in daytime. Basically, you're just like, I'm gonna light this. Yeah. The sun is lighting <laughs> this too. Uh, have we ever had? Sean says, have I ever done any laps around Brainerd? I have, and Brainerd. Rules. Brainerd is one of the sketchiest, coolest places ever. I think I believe it is the fastest right-hand corner in North America. Um, Isn't it 
like 130 mile entry speed at least it it could be more in a fast car it could be more so the full course uh yeah that that one you're on right there is good the full course yeah that's perfect uses the at the top of the image there uses the drag strip uh and the drag strip and the runoff of the drag strip as the front so that Whoa. that front straight is a full quarter mile drag strip plus the runoff which it looks like it's Easily half a mile. A I think it more. probably is. It looks like five eighths. It it might be over Nine half sixteenths. a mile. Oh, actually, that drawing on the left there seems to have distances on it. Go down one. That does that have distance? Yeah. Look. Uh, so forty seven hundred foot Woo. front straight. Wow. And that leads into a sixty degree right hand corner. Banked. It's banked. Wow. It's and it's fairly steeply banked, like more than ten degrees and less than twenty. Uh, so really, really fast in a fast car, probably one hundred and fifty mile an hour entry speed, and then a quarter mile straight into another uh, slightly tighter, but still very, very fast, probably one hundred and twenty mile an hour right hand corner, and then look at this quarter mile into a thirty mile an hour right hand corner. And what you don't see there, actually, turn three, is that there's no guardrail on the outside of the course. It's just trees. <laughs> so if you blow that corner, you're going straight into the woods Ooh. in your race car at, at a really, at a really high, high speed. speed. Yeah. So it's incredibly gnarly. Jeez. It's such a cool track. It's the coolest. I think you ran it with the X5M. Yeah, one lap of America. And you came back and you're like, this place is <laughs> yeah. out of its mind. Yeah, it was so good. It was That's really awesome. fun. Yeah, and it's and, and actually that last corner there, turn 10 uh, on the bottom right of your screen is really interesting because you're literally going full clip through the entry paddock of the drag strip. So right as you're tracking out, you're on the fucking drag strip and you drive through like a patch of VHT. Whoa. <laughs> it's like, what is this? That's it's cool, so man. Crazy. If you have a big power yeah. car, you hook up real well. Yeah, right it's wild. Yeah. Jeez. That's a fucking course, man. It's really, really cool. Love Brainerd. If you ever get anyone who ever gets a chance to go drive there, it's a really cool. Uh, I don't think they run the full circuit very often. I think it's pretty dangerous. Um. Chappie says, thoughts on any manufacturer that will uh, blink first and uh, oh, and, 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 and go back to feel and speeds you can enjoy. Okay, so basically he's saying, will anyone call an end to the horsepower right. uh, performance wars? I don't, th I mean, I, I don't, I feel like no. I feel, I feel like that's not going to happen. I mean, at a certain, I think the I think because marketing teams have a really hard challenge where if people besides us go in and they go, is the new car faster or better than my old car? And yeah. if it, unless you have a quantitative way to say like, yes, this, your old car had three hundred horsepower, now it's three ten or three twenty or three forty, people might they go, why would I buy a new one then? You know, unless we, unless they can get people really into tech, which right now I feel like we're kind of a ceiling for technology. One know. thing I think they could do. And if you wait a month, you will hear me make this argument in writing in volume four, Road and Track, about the Elva, is take a left into whimsy. So I actually, you know, although it's not a mass market vehicle by any means, what I loved most about the McLaren Elva was that it's not trying to be faster than the 765, thank God. Or the Senna. It's not. It's not a time attack car. You know what I mean. It's. It's actually. I think probably slower. 
if you put it on a racetrack compared to a 765 LT wow. or a Senna. Um, but by removing the windshield, and, and they've added whimsy. And so um, adding whimsy, I think, is a, is a thing that they could do. Like that AAMS thing that deflects the wind, mm-hmm. they could build a, a, a version of, of the Elva or a version of a, a car that had that and no windshield based on the 570 that was maybe cheaper and smaller and you know didn't have 800 horsepower. But so yeah. how, would, how would a company like... Porsche do that with the 911. You know, so now we're talking about a more mass-produced, right. mass-sold vehicle. You know, I how, think how well, I think in? they'd have to do kind of what Honda did, which is when the Civic got bigger, they came in under it with the Fit. Yeah, you know, right. I think they just as everything keeps getting bigger and more powerful, you come under it with something else. Yeah, you just have to make a new brand, not a new brand, new model, a new model, like, a, like Subaru with BRZ. They're just yeah. like, here's a new thing that doesn't have a turbo. It's not as fast, but it's great for yeah. these people. Now the problem with cars, companies like Ferrari and McLaren, is that they have figured out quite accurately, I think, that if it's easier to sell. 200 cars for $2 million each than 2,000 cars for $200,000 each. You know what I mean? Um, The rich are getting richer, and they're hoarding. And so you have a smaller group of people that has more and more and more money to burn, and they're they're just, you know what I mean? Like, the person who buys an Elva or a Chiron Sport or whatever, they've already got everything else. I mean, yeah. they've already got it all. It's like, it's, it's, and then this is the way it is right now. Yeah. So if the, the manufacturers are not finding more people to buy $80,000 sports cars, they're finding enough people to justify producing, you know, whereas 10 years ago they would make, okay, we're going to make five of these and they're going to be a million five each. Now they're going, these are a million five each and we could sell 250 of them. Right. It's, still, it's still a limited run, yeah. but it's far, there's far more made. Yeah. Matter of fact, to, it, the Elva might fall under the ultra low volume oh, vehicle yeah, manufacturer sure. act, which even a company like McLaren would be able to produce a vehicle under that act, I think. Well, they're making very few of those, right? 250. They're making 250 Elvis? I thought yeah. it was like six. No, oh, 250. Jesus. So I'm saying they got 250 people that wow. are going to spend $2 million on this fucking thing. Right, so there's your 500 million G. Right, so is it that or is it develop a mass market car that they have to crank out on an assembly line for 10 years? You know what I mean? Yeah, if that's you're a Ma- hard If you're Ferrari or McLaren, <laughs> if I'm Ferrari, I'm going to go, shit, I'm going to drop the cheapest three things we make, only move up market, right. sell crazy one-offs to sheiks, and then up our t-shirt business. I mean, well, so the hard thing, though, is if what if you're Audi, what if you're BMW, what if you're Chevy, you know, like... A1, one series, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Down market, front wheel drive. Get people to feel like they're buying into our brand without having to really sell them any quality no, engineering. No, but, but, but still, like, uh, oh, how do E63 they bring the whimsy? AMG. Oh, the whimsy, right, E sixty three MG. You know, that's not going to be a whimsical vehicle, right? But it, right now, they're getting so fast. It's all-wheel yeah. drive. It's got six hundred whatever horsepower. You know, we're we're at the limits of tire technology. I mean, unless right. they start taking weight out, which will then add speed, which we don't need. You know, yeah. that's the only thing they can really do. And then you kind of take, you add more noise. I mean, all this stuff. It's very no, challenging. The, the Super Saloon will continue to be bonkers fast. More more speed and less sensation. I yeah. mean, it'll just, that's that's the only path for those types of cars. But all hope is not lost. The GR Yaris is coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm excited for the new BRZ, too. Sure. I want to drive that thing. 
I watched Camisa's. Uh, yeah, his deep dive. Is it tomorrow? Is he on tomorrow? He's gonna be on Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Right. A couple <laughs> I days. Thought it was Friday. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, where's the fucking my I, my days of the week are gone. Camisa will be talking about the new BRZ on um, Jesus. The Litchfield incident. What happened with Litchfield? Chris tweeted that an influencer who was not named approached Litchfield with a proposal that they had a GR Yaris and that Litchfield should pay them 25K plus commission. And what Chris wrote was for the privilege of putting their suspension on his GR Yaris. And so... Ah... Look, in my opinion, if an influencer of any level is going to approach a brand um, with and, and wants something from them, maybe it's suspension for your Yaris, I would approach with some humility yeah. and say, hey, I really like your product. I have a car that would work for your product. And I have an audience. And is there something you'd like to do? And and I suspect that because the tuner company was miffed enough about it to tell Chris Harris that it wasn't done in the most humble of ways. Mm -hmm. I don't know who the fucking influencer was. I'm not. I'm not sure. And I don't. And I don't really care. Um. So so that was it. And and uh, Freddie Hernandez who is a capitalist, pure as can be, and who is, um, he, he, he was, uh, he took, he, he found that to be, that it to be not a problem. That, oh, it's, well, it's a business arrangement. If there's that much value in what this person brings, then why shouldn't they be doing this sort of thing? And my response to that was that it's just kind of douchey. Like, that, that's really all. It's just that it's kind of douchey. Mm -hmm. And if the person is, really any of the people that I think it might be, they have plenty of money to be, and also the amount of money is extraordinary yeah. for any tuner. The idea that, like, I've worked with enough tuner companies in my life. The one thing I know about them is they, they don't have any money. They'll give you parts. You want parts? If it's worthwhile for them, they'll hook you up with parts. Maybe they'll hook you up with install as well, right? Because they have labor mm -hmm. and they have a shop yeah. and installing their own parts is no big deal. And you can get content of that. Okay. That's a nice arrangement. If you're if you bring so much value to to the equation that they're really gonna sell that many, something tells me you you wouldn't need to be asking for it. And if you're comfortable enough asking for that much from a shop, a tuner shop, you don't need it. <laughs> you definitely have enough money to just buy your goddamn shocks or whatever they are. So that was my opinion. My opinion is that presumably it was asked, this was proposed not in the most polite of, and humble of ways, mm -hmm. because obviously this person was annoyed enough to tell Chris Harris about it. He was offended enough to fucking tweet it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, presumably this was not done in really a B2B proposal right. sort of way. Because it, it could have been approached, you know, like an athlete approaching a company, like, yeah. here's what I'm thinking, I'll do this, you do this. I have this much reach, et cetera, et cetera, but it has to be done like as a business proposal. Right. And even carefully. if you, yeah, and even if you presented a big number and justified such a number, 
um, you could do that without it offending multiple levels of people. Yeah. I happen to think Chris Harris is a pretty good judge of character. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> he's an imperfect human just like myself, but I happen to think he's a pretty good judge of character. So if it made it far enough to him <laughs> and he was offended by it, and he also knows how the system works, that a, co- a small company, even a small company like a Litchfield, which may be, have global recognition, I can almost assure you does not have the type of finances and would not have the type of finances to participate in it. But that being said, that was my opinion, that, that it seemed douchey. Schmee's manager put out a very interesting quote. Uh-huh. Uh, he said, it is not Schmee 150. Uh-huh. We would never ask such a thing. Okay. This is all in quotes, right? He says, what James has done here is a disgrace to our community. First, he steals the idea of our successful RS project. Then he sees our Yaris project and decides he can ask this kind of money at our friends at Litchfield, UK. Oh, James? He says James. I don't know who James is. James Walker, JWW. Ah, maybe it is. Maybe I don't know. Well, I like I like James Walker. He's been on the show. I liked him. He was very nice, and his shit is a hundred percent branding. It's shame. He he said that straight up when he was here. But still, that's a lot. And I hope he, I hope it didn't come off like that. I don't know. I didn't really think about this beyond three tweets. To be perfectly honest with you, I didn't I didn't expect this would be yeah. a topic of discussion today. But. All right. There well, there, there's your thoughts for the record. It's kind of douchey, yeah. in my opinion. There you go. Uh, Jensen is going to buy a 1970s Mercedes 280 SE. Advice on insurance company as far as Haggerty. Or, I mean, we use Haggerty. Like, I don't have, I don't know what other companies are out there doing agreed value. Um, uh I mean, frankly, I've, I'm doing a show on Haggerty. My cars are insured with Haggerty, and my business is insured with Haggerty. Mm-hmm. I don't have uh, I don't have a lot of other options to give you, but I uh, I uh, I've I've had good luck with Haggerty. Casey Nielsen wants to know what is my favorite K car. I'm an AutoZam man myself. They're really cool. The AZ1 yeah. is the shit. They're really cool. It is the shit. I like the cappuccino and I like the beat. Um, I they're both like little two thirds scale Miatas, which mm-hmm. is cool. And uh, if I see one on the street, I will smile. But if you're gonna go silly, go maximum silly. AZ1 yeah. for me. Anything else? Oh. Oh, Sean wants to know if I'd driven a 60s or 70s era NASCAR oh race car? No. Oh, Do you fun. have one? That sounds fun. Talk about a death trap. That sounds sketchy. I drove yeah. Musto's Daytona. That's about as that's about as close as I've gotten. I know it's not close. His car is going somewhere to get redone and get... <laughs> Hellcat s- engine. Yeah. Hellcat <laughs> engine. Hellcat engine Daytona. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is going to be so dangerous and great. That will be fabulous. Uh, alligator window tint wants us to clip the Tesla bit. More people need to hear this truth. All right. I don't know. Maybe. Is it? I don't know if it's truth. It's, it's my opinion. I don't know if it's truth. And a lot of my opinion is based on just feeling that fucking someone's getting scammed. The shit's not right. That's all. That's all it's like based on and a basic financial understanding and, and a lot of conversations with my father, who's one of the smartest investor traditional investors that i know yeah he is he is <laughs> he and all of his <laughs> friends smart. i don't agree with them on a lot of things um they're not all super right wing that's not where i'm going but some of them are but my not my dad but but when i went when i asked all of them in a room together my dad's like the poorest one of these guys i asked all of them explain to me what am i missing where, where and they're and they're all like ponzi scheme 
they're all like, just stay away, Ponzi scheme. So, and they're some fuck. These are some smart people, very very smart people. So I, you know, if they know, I I, I can barely do my taxes. <laughs> all I know is just the and someone pointed out on Twitter earlier today that um. You want, you know, someone, what was the word? The uh, the opportunity cost of not following the piper is high. That's what they said. Mm. You know what I mean? I know mm. it's bullshit, but the opportunity but cost of not, lose but look how yeah. much money I'm yeah. making following the fucking piper. Yeah. Goes back to the problem. Financially well, incentive to fucking be an ostrich well, there. We're also in an era, I mean, the last 20 years, but more like the last five, where you know, technology companies, Amazon was not profitable for like a decade. And it's just promises and business cases and eventually it works out. And now we're in this place where it's just like valuations are insane. Yeah. Everything is, you know, uh, I think back when your your dad and his friends, like the profit to earnings ratio people like, they're like 28 is kind of high. Yeah. And now we're seeing 50, 100, 200, and it's just like, it'll work out yeah. eventually. <laughs> yeah, because it worked out for Amazon. It right. must work out for fucking everybody, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm saying like Tesla is is a very weird thing to look at, but it's also a, a real sign of the times. I think. Yeah. I just I don't like the times. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Li- I don't like. I don't like the times, and it's not like because I don't like seeing some fucking dudes on Reddit fucking take it to some hedge funds. Like that's fun to me. I like watching that shit show. But like, I just. Y- y- I don't know. It seems like when it's that when the valuation is that divorced from the productivity yeah. and the financial reward for ignoring the productivity is so high you it's a really bad place to be yeah it's just it's just the longer we bury our head in the sand and ignore every bad thing about this and and only selectively report good things to keep everyone getting richer the longer the fucking train goes and it's like you're just spinning and more bullshit. Right. Sooner yeah. or later, you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Tony. Oh, hi, Tony. Tony's Tony's great. Uh, coming to, uh, down to L.A. and wants to know what the best menu items are at Bills, dude. The best menu items at Bills. My breakfast sandwich. Matt Farah's breakfast sandwich on an everything bagel. If you get there before 11 a.m., because Bill, don't even try to ask that motherfucker to make you eggs after 11. I think 10:30. <laughs> no, for real. Uh, yeah, yeah. 10:30 breakfast is done. Okay. Yeah. Take don't. All the things it, away. Yeah. Once breakfast is over, don't ask for my sandwich. Don't even try. Uh, there's a sandwich they make called the treadmill that's very good. Mm-hmm. It's on the healthier side. It's got chicken and avocado, and it's very tasty. I'm also 100% about their tuna salad. I'm also 100% about their egg salad, but you have to be very confident to eat egg salad because it's a messy sandwich. But Tony mentioned the meatloaf. If you fucked with the meatloaf, that's the messiest thing he makes. And if you've gotten through a meatloaf, then you can get through the egg salad. There you go. Bill also has four different types of truffle potato chips. And lots of cookies. He re- yeah, so Bill also, cookies. that's true. His baked goods, because like sandwiches are great, but the baked goods, Bill actually bakes them himself. He's a very, very good baker. I recommend the corn muffin grilled in butter, like Ooh. on the grill New York deli style. Man knows food. He Fucking knows food. Dank. You know what's the funniest thing about Bill? Doesn't eat meat. He makes all that dank shit, doesn't eat meat. But he, under- he definitely understands flavor. He, he ate does. meat in the past oh, okay. and remembered how to do it. Yes, I mean, you kind of remember. <laughs> you know, you put a couple of years in, it's like a bicycle. Yeah. Uh, uh, see you soon, Tony. I'll have your car washed for you. He's a client. Uh, Ego Boosts. 
has a 2.7 liter V6 EcoBoost F-150. We'll be getting the same engine in the Bronco. Uh, do either of us have comments on the 2.3 i4 or the 2.7 in the Bronco? So we haven't driven Bronco, but I've driven the 2.3 in the Ranger mm-hmm. with the 10-speed. Hated it. Yeah. Hated it's, it. It's fine. It's it fine It was fine, but highway. fine leaning towards terrible. I'm more terrible than fine. Yeah. Especially with the 10 speed automatic because it was fucking a new gear every three seconds. The 2.7, remember the truck in all cars? F-150. Yeah. That's a good engine. Don't sleep on the 2.7. The 2.7 twin turbo is good. Yeah. I would definitely be getting that in the Bronco. Yeah. That's a solid, quick, powerful engine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like that engine a lot. That F-150 we had is fast. And something to remember for everybody is if you get the smaller engine in a vehicle that doesn't, that might be too heavy for it, you're going to be in the pedal a lot. So your gas mileage will probably not replicate what the EPA reports because you're just going to, you're just going to dip into it more. Yeah. If you're in boost and all that stuff, like your gas will go th- just away so quickly. Totally. So something to think about. Yeah, I've gotten really bad mileage in small engine turbo cars. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Anything else? We're really going, this is old school. Um, B. Vang wants to know if the 2.3 turbo motor in the Mazda Speed 6 is the same as the 2.3 Ford EcoBoost. It's not exactly the same, but I do think they're related. I'm pretty sure they're related. Um, I don't remember what, because this came up when they were developing the Focus RS. People were all like, oh, it's just, it's just the Mazda, uh... The difference between the Mazda 2.3 and the Focus 2.3. There is a big... What's that one right there? FocusFanatics.com. Oh, that's uh, old. I mean, that's too old. old. Shit. Five. Oh. Uh, both in... Uh, they're, oh, okay. Not at all related. That's a recent post. 2015. Not at all related. Okay. I think not related. I think it's coincident that they're the same. They, I'll tell you what. I've driven a Mazda Speed 6. They don't feel remotely alike. No. They feel like completely different engines. Yeah. So... That whatever that forum was right there said not related. Uh, Auburn Vans says the best watches are ones you can wear twenty four seven and not worry about. But what about sexy time? <laughs> Keep on your wrist to avoid being stolen. Use it to time yourself. Well, first off, <laughs> part. Uh, I'm going to take the third part last, Bob. Um, Use it to time yourself? Absolutely. I use a split seconds chronograph to mm-hmm. time myself. Measures to one hundredth of a second, which is all I need. And, uh, all right, fine. That was a joke. Why are you concerned about your watch being stolen? Well, that's, that's the other one. The are thing. you concerned about it being stolen? Are you concerned about it, Auburn? <laughs> he, yeah, well, if, you are, if you're going to, let's just say, Las Vegas. Hypothetically, you're going to Las Outskirts, Vegas. Nevada, yeah. Or... Really anywhere that's a Vegas-like destination, and you meet anybody locally, whether it is, uh, let's just say, free or uh, not free, you don't take that motherfucker off. Not for a second. I mean, the number of stories that I have heard from people who have had watches, you know, ganked from nightstands, ganked from pockets of pants, uh, someone told me a story about a girl was fucking su- sucking his dick and reached into his pants, which were around his ankles, and took shit out from his pants. Wow. Yeah. So if you are, if you're like hooking up, you don't take your watch off for nothing. No, no, sir. Yikes. Yeah. I take my watch off before I go to bed. Right. Because, because you're married. Yes. Yeah. My wife can't steal things. 
She can, but she chooses not to. Right, she has a, she has a job. Man. Yeah, no. Hey, but but really uh, also, uh, also, I time myself. That's why there's uh, safes in the hotel rooms. Yeah, man. I don't even trust that motherfucker. I wouldn't take my watch off. I, I, when I travel, I travel with a watch. I pretty much keep my watch on all the time if I'm traveling. Uh, David Leong says, what happens to late 90s and 2000s sports cars with these single clutch autos? Does anyone make a, a, ooh, a retrofit mm. dual clutch that would make those viable? You know, I see a cottage industry of manual conversions um, developing. Um, I think uh, there is opportunity there. It would be expensive, but some of those single clutch cars are really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, Aston Martin is doing it and they're making money. You know, I, I could see that process being brought in house. I could see Ferrari Classic Center possibly, although Ferrari would never admit that even their single clutch transmission was like not perfect. I mean, <laughs> they'd be like, no, what's wrong with it? That, You'd be you like, know? oh, it's terrible. And they'll be like, no, no, it's not. It's perfect. <laughs> I mean, just e- E46 M3s. Like, mm-hmm. if you, a manual sells for several thousand dollars more than the, uh, than the single clutch. Mm-hmm. So if you could buy that and swap it out, like, and just offer people to do that, like, yeah. I think you can do that with a lot of cars. Yeah, but I, swapping a dual clutch, I mean, that is a lot of computing that's happening right. with transmissions and ECUs. I think it'd be really hard to marry a 2002, you know, motor to a 2014 d- d- dual clutch. Right, and a lot of the single clutch cars came as manual also, even in limited edition. Yeah. So, so you could either use factory parts or you could reverse engineer it and, and make... F- you know, factory spec-ish yeah. replacements, whereas it's very rare that a car went from a single clutch to a dual clutch without any other changes. Right. So you couldn't just plop it in. I don't think it'd know. be very desirable, too, because, like, you know, people like us, we're looking for manual transmission cars, because right. that's a shrinking industry. Right. There's plenty of automatics to choose from. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wesley says, I'm watching The Sopranos for the first time. Favorite person and car combinations from the show. I fucking love The Sopranos. If you haven't watched The Sopranos, where have you been? Get in, Get over to HBO. Just, just start. I mean, even the first episode where Tony runs over the guy with Chrissy's Lexus. Oh, yeah. LS400 in the first appearance, first episode of the show. Uh, I like Johnny Sachs' uh, Maserati that Chrissy takes at the end. I hope this doesn't spoil it for you. Chrissy takes Johnny Sachs' Maserati at the end. Um, Chrissy had a couple of interesting cars because he at one point drove like uh, he drove a Range Rover. He had an Escalade. He had a di- couple different Lexuses. But then his like car got jacked. He got like he got fucking carjacked, and he was driving like a Bonneville for a couple of episodes. I like the Bonneville man. Um, there's a lot of a lot of Cadillac DTSs. Silvio and Vito had DTSs. Um, no one had anything really good. Um, I like the I like the hot Mercedes sales lady who drove. She was only ever talking, whenever referring to Mercedes, she would only refer to 600s. I'm going to take out a new 600. I'll come over in the 600. It was only 600. Everything was a 600 for her. It was great. The Sopranos was awesome. And I liked when Tony took the guy's car. The, the, some guy owed Tony money, and he took his son's car and gave it to AJ. <laughs> All of a sudden, AJ's kid drives up in school in like his friend's car. That's like, amazing. This, oh, that's embarrassing. Up. Yeah, super fucked up. Um, we have a few more people. Uh, no more questions. Though, all right, guys, we're going to burn through these. Yeah. Um, I sheeply TJ wants to know Zach's first Ferrari. I mean, if I could afford it, uh, you know, F four thirty Scud, and then it'd be done. There it is. Let's do that. 
Auburn Vans. Oh, in 93, too short. Beds sewn clean, don't roll, just fly away. What is the first 90s Benz that you see? I mean, I'm thinking too short was talking about a big body S600 coupe. Or it, a C, it might have been a C. Uh, yeah, it would have been an S600, S600 coupe at that time, I think. Maybe an SL. Um, do I have any stories about the owner of Harrods? No, I don't, I don't really know the owner of Harrods. My dad yeah. met him once. I don't know the owner of Harrods, I'm sorry to say. I know that, that, that fucking the Habibis park their supercars in front of Harrods when they go shopping. Didn't, That's the department. they sponsor um, oh, fuck. Um, Justin Bell, his, his McLaren? Probably. Oh, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, Omaha. yeah. Yeah, yeah. His dad. I think they sponsored yeah. that. Yeah. Dodi Al-Fayed. <laughs> Muhammad Al-Fayed. Yeah. Yeah. Amit Patel uh, says, my next car will be used for road trips and track days. I prefer a manual, rear or all-wheel drive, factory warranty, and a real trunk. Uh, M3, M4, Shelby GT350, non-R, and Golf R. High on my list. 35, oh, can't be M3 or M4, sorry. 35K to 70K. I mean, a lot of options here. Yeah. Um, all the 997 Porsches, except turbos, pretty much. Carrera S's yeah, they're pretty good on are cargo. on the list. Um, yeah, they have the fronks are nice. Front yeah. plus back seat. That's, that's, that's decent true. cargo. It is. Um, let's see. Corvette's uh, always available. Corvette's. Oh my God! Seventy thousand dollars gets you so much Corvette. So much C seven. Lots good road trip of C seven. Really good. Yeah, those are great on the ro- on road trips. Um, Golf R is a great one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, thirty five is Audi RS three or Audi TT RS. No one thinks RS3. about the TT RS. The RS three is probably RS3. better. Yeah, yeah, I would Audi RS three. That's a good road trip car, mm-hmm. and you can fucking. Mod the fuck Dude, out of those things. So much Holy power. Shit. So much power. Still pretty reliable. Yeah. It's a good stout motor. Real fast. Yeah. That is a murderous Ooh. vehicle. RS3 really might be it. If you're interested in a Golf R, but you have seventy thousand dollars, you really want an RS3. Yeah. They're like sixty-five. Yeah, they're really good. That's the shit. It's because it's not the same as Golf R. The five-cylinder takes it to another level. Yeah, it does. Because a, a Golf R too. is kind of like the upper limit of that two-liter. And then the two five is like all way beyond that from the factory. Um, can't anything else? Let's see. S seventy k. Can you? I don't think you can get into a C sixty three for that much. Not a new and one. I wouldn't know. G, no. Le, Lexus GSF. It's a sedan. Not a manual though. Oh, not a manual. Yeah, that's a great car. Yeah, for everything except yeah. being a manual transmission. Yeah. I don't know. Corvettes are really would be high on my list. I mean, you look. You have an RS3. You have a sedan option. You have a wagon option. Yeah. You have a RS3s option. are not stick, are they? I oh, think they're, they're all DCT. Oh, it's so good. Golf R might be the fastest Volkswagen stick you can get. Nine Elevens, man. Nine Eleven seventy K will get you into a nine nine one Porsche, nine nine one Carrera or Carrera S for seventy really K. Yeah. And plenty of trunk space. Uh, Andrew Xanthos, best driving road in the Hudson Valley, uh, Fairfield County. The roads that run north and south off of I-84 in between 684 and the Taconic. There's a bunch of them. Um, It's like 301, 311, 292. And then when you're tired of those, you know, Bear Mountain. Bear Mountain area. uh, The road they call the Goat Trail, which leads to the Bear Mountain Bridge. And then the roads on the other side uh, by Bear Mountain. I mean, those really are, uh, they really are the best. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Christian Byrne, any stories about the Brunei collection? I've never been there. I've never been there. Is are we supposed to have, is there news? Is it in the news or something? Did it get sold? I don't know. I mean, I know it was crazy. I don't I don't I've never been. I I have a kind of Is it embarrassing that I don't actually know where Brunei is? I want to say yes, but I don't know either. I <laughs> uh, I mean, the world's a big place, and I feel like I've heard that the Sultan of Brunei a million times. Tiny nation island where is Brunei? I'm sorry. This is kind of embarrassing. I'd like to think of myself as relatively it's a tiny educated. nation on the island of Borneo. It's wow. it's within Borneo. Yeah. What? Get the fuck out of here! Oh, it's like Borneo's Swaziland. <laughs> oh, it's wow, a, it's it really Borneo. Is. I think it's like Borneo's. Well, I was gonna say Monaco. Oh. I don't really know, but yeah, it looks little as fuck. Wow. Okay, and half of it. It looks like half of it is forest reserve. A lot of rainforest. Half of it's protected. Oh, how interesting. Okay. Now you know. Okay. Interesting. This is it's on the Oops. island of Borneo in two distinct sections surrounded by only such Okay. 29 golden domes. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah. I'd like to check that out at some point. That seems kind of cool. The car collection's amazing. I mean, there's a couple of walking yeah. videos on YouTube. Um, um, all right. That, is that us? Oh, shit. There's more. People keep asking questions. Uh, Brad says, the wife wants a new daily with a budget of 45K. We're looking at used Macans and SQ5s. All roads worried about maintenance costs. You should be. Secondhand mid-level German cars. Oof. Mm -hmm. That is going to be ripe for this costs more money than it's worth to drive. Yes. Uh, the more special the German car, the more those annoying maintenance costs yeah. are worthwhile. Yeah. They're at the front of technology mm -hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, 45K. Uh, Acura RDX. Acura RDX. Use RDX. Or That's new. Nice new RDX. Or a new one. I think you can get... 45 is a tough number because it's like the upper limit of like Honda CRVs, right? And, yeah. And kind of like can't quite get into the, the Germans yet. What's a Highlander you, go for? But if you're buying a used one, like get a used RX300. Get a used Lexus. Get How, it, like... I... Yeah, I'd go with one of those. I um, just, mm, just don't mm. don't reach to a German crossover. I mean, forty five k will get you like all, like a new Jeep Grand Cherokee, won't it? Yeah, I might would. rather have a brand new Ford Edge Sport or Jeep Grand Cherokee than a three or four year old Macan or Q five. I'd rather have the Jeep for sure. Yeah, and I think it looks pretty nice inside and out, even though the interior is like aging a bit. But yeah, I would do that. Or I, I would Highlander. If you're gonna, yeah, if you're going to keep it for long, nice. how long are you to keep it? That's the question. Mm -hmm. you need two years? Okay, you can have a little bit of fun. If you're going to keep this thing for eight years, yeah. buy a Japanese car. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Bijan says, is there any reason why someone would buy a, a 2002 to 2012 G-Wagon instead of a 2013 to 2018? Yeah, it's called money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The G-Wagon rule is the same pretty much as the Corvette rule. Uh, with a Corvette rule, and people ask me about Corvettes all the time. The rule is you buy a 1963 to 1969, or you buy the newest, fastest, most modern one you can afford. That's it. That's mm -hmm. just the rule. Uh, anything else is entirely limited by your budget. Same thing with a G-Wagon. You're either buying a six-cylinder soft top for $193,000, and Doug will go to bat for you until the day he dies. So good. Because of the same false feedback fucking loop that Tesla has. You're either buying a soft top uh, gray market import or whatever, or just buy the nicest, newest one you can afford. 
or maybe don't buy a G-Wagon unless it's the newest one. Um, Last question. Okay. Jonathan wants to know, if you're in a modern car, how do you fight the urge to continually buy or lease new cars? Uh, Mods or give up and keep buying leasing? Do a project car? Uh, You're asking the guy with four fucking cars right now that are all old and weird? I mean, I, well, I I would say... the, the easiest thing to do is if you are worried about the car being remaining interesting, you can either get yourself a regular ass daily that you don't do anything with and a, and a weekend car that you tinker with and modify. Totally acceptable course mm-hmm. of action. Or you get yourself a daily and modify it in a way that won't fuck your warranty up. Like, you can do a lot of things to a daily driver car that won't mess up your warranty. Yeah. Basically, a lot of them, if you don't touch the drivetrain. Yeah. You know, you can do suspension. You can do brakes. You can Must do lots of stuff. Must still put a cage in his car. Yeah. And, they, and, and the warranty was kosher. It covers your powertrain warranty because you haven't modified it at yeah. all. Yeah. So, if you're willing to get a car where you're satisfied with the powertrain, or the powertrain is the kind of powertrain where modding it isn't worthwhile, like, hypothetically... This may be substantially out of your budget, but let's just say a 911. 911 Carrera S, mm-hmm. right? A Carrera S, naturally aspirated Carrera S, a couple years old. Getting more power out of that engine is in the four figures at a minimum and diminishing returns, right? But what can you do? You can do lightweight wheels and tires. You can upgrade the brakes. You can put JRZ shocks. And you can drastically improve the performance of that car and make it your own and more interesting without fucking up, you know, a warranty. Right. So you, those are those are what I would recommend. Yeah. Yeah. I think people just they they chase the Joneses too much. So if, you, if you're into new mm-hmm. cars, to be into new cars, I don't know. For me, I, I see that we're in a ceiling for technology for a bit. Like you yeah, know, radar crews, you got all this blind spot stuff. The one from two years two years from now is not going to be that much different. Right. For a while. Right. So and also like I you know I like driving these new supercars and stuff that I get to drive, but like. Man, if I had to, if I was always buying new, you know, the newest, oh my God, the new one's out with 50 more horsepower. Like, oh, I got to get that one. Like, oh my God, it'd be, it'd be so, so bad. So I've exited that system by just buying cars that are just are, you know what I mean? Even like though the 911 is like modified, like with my other cars, like there's no need to modify. It's an experience. It just is. So yeah, yeah, that's the separation. If, If you're looking for the experience to stay fresh. Get something that's not your daily, and then it stays fresher. But right. If your daily, if you're just chasing that all the time, then you're always going to want a new car. Right. Right. And oh boy, S thir- What's what's an S thirteen hatch? Two forty SX. Oh, a two forty SX hatch, or an STI swapped GC eight. What's the better driver's car? I mean, that depends on a lot. Yeah, things. it depends on what kind of driving you want to do, and and. I mean, either either is perfectly analog and mm-hmm. communicative. I mean, uh, the 240 will have better steering, but the the Subaru will have better grip and be faster. And be Unless faster. the engine in the yeah. S13 is swapped, like yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Both of those are excellent drivers' cars. I wouldn't. I would not be able to definitively say one is better than the other. Yeah, uh, but they'd both be good. Last one, and then we're really out of here. Bonus question: What old school quote ricer mod is going to come back? Their words, not mine. People, mm-hmm. don't fucking bury me on Twitter for quoting somebody. Uh, either aesthetic or power. This person bets street glow. Street glow's already back, man. 
you seen SEMA? Mm -hmm. Like there are lights in wheel wells, under cars, mostly in trucks. It's LEDs now. It yeah, used to LEDs. be neon tubes. Right. <laughs> now it's LEDs. Same thing, but it's uh, all over trucks. Um, what is... mods have are coming back? Like I haven't really seen any. Um, what I am seeing is the appreciation of period mods in collectible period tuner cars. So you see it first with Skyline Market, but you see it with other brands as well. Uh, brands, you know, if you buy a, a car that's got period HRE wheels mm -hmm. and period HKS parts, really parts parts that were known for being very high quality in period, I think that will add collectability to a car. I'm not sure if we're going to see like trends. I bet back. we see the return of the Fast and Furious style vinyl. Like with like the the rocket oh, guys on the side, the graphics because we have the '80s and '90s getting more popular, mm -hmm. which had lots of graphics because the cars were slow. And then you have the vinyl wrap technology we have, which like we're kind of already there, but I think you'll just see more people with crazy cartoons on the side of their cars. That's what I'm okay. That's what I'm going with all right, and that's what we're gonna end on. All right, Zach thinks cartoons. I think <laughs> cartoons. It's all good. Thank you everybody for joining us and bringing your questions with you on this uh, one. Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. By night. the end of the show, I swear to God, we're going to figure out what date is right. this motherfucker. It's Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the live people, we'll be back on Friday. Our friend Misha Mansour, uh, guitarist for the band Periphery uh, and sports car enthusiast and watch enthusiast. He's an ambassador for Crown and Caliber now. Good for him. Killing the game. Yeah. And then he'll Jay be Z. in on Friday. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. And then Camisa. Camisa on Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll be calling in. Uh, yes. And. Uh, Coming soon, my new show on Haggerty's channel. It's going to be called Modified. It's about tuner cars. We're filming it starting next week. Very exciting. Um, yay film crews. Yay permits. Yeah. Yay insurance. Permitted road. I haven't done like, well, we did sorted, but like even that. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done real production in a minute, so this will be fun. Where we actually like write the show out, which mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to be Planning doing it that. Out. Um, shout out to our uh, to Bremont, our watch uh, sponsor. They're sending uh, me a new demo that we can try mm -hmm. out for the month. I don't know what it is. I just have a tracking number. Cool. But that's very exciting. And guess what? I just found out on Tuesday I get to drive the Bugatti Chiron Pure Sport. I saw it on the calendar. Yeah. For, I'm driving for like 90 minutes. Oh, my God. Better than Amazing. zero. It'll be fun. Amazing. I saw it drive by uh, in Beverly Hills today. Not t uh, yesterday when I dropped off the van. It's a very cool color, and it sounded mean as fuck. Wow. Yeah, it sounded sounded beastie. It's I like think a, it has the best interior <laughs> of the last 50 years. It's real cool. Ooh, yeah, it's real cool. It's really and it was very gurgly. Yeah. It's Amazing. Like, <sighs> that's what it sounds like when it goes by. Yeah, because it's moving here. Yeah. All right, kids. That's our show. Wait, selfish plug. Go watch Rated on Haggerty. Oh, it's yeah. Show on Haggerty. Go watch that's that. That's Zach's show. Me and Lee Keen driving cars and arguing. And then, I mean, they just have a new episode came out with uh, Kevin Matson and Rob Holland. Oh, really? Doing, driving a TRX and jumping it through the air. Oh, fun. So it's basically a journalist and a race car driver drive the same car and then argue That's a race it. car driver so and a race car driver. It is. In that case, it's two <laughs> race car drivers and one is being a journalist. Great. Uh, check out Rated on Haggerty. That's our show. Good night, everybody. Have a great day.